even though I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't hear it, Jesus is working. I'm so grateful for the stories we get to tell in this place about what God is doing and what God continues to do in and through people like you. Over the last few weeks, you've heard multiple stories about what God's done in our midst with people in this place. And I'm so hopeful that what you've heard has been inspiring enough to to move you to keep leaning into whatever God's calling you to. I'm so thankful to Ray for sharing Steve's story, but I also hope that you heard in that Ray's story. Ray's story of going and being a part of a ministry that allowed Steve to know Jesus. It's in the going that Jesus meets us. And that's where we'll start today in the Gospel of Mark. So if you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. I'm reading out of the NIV. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town, and if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please be seated? Spirit of the living God, you have given us these words. It's words of Mark. 
chose to write down these words on these pages so that we might be encouraged, empowered, and sent out for the sake of the gospel. So God, in your mercy and grace, would you cause these words to come off of the page and alive in our experience like never before, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot here. There's a lot here. And uh, as I, because walking through this passage, I was like, well, maybe I should truncate it or shorten it, but um, I don't think so. I'm going to try and bounce around in a couple of places, but in one in particular, I'm going to settle in. But I want you to go back sometime this week and read through specifically Mark. Those first six chapters of Mark is going to give you a really good understanding of what we're about to talk about this morning. And as you go back, I'm hoping to point us in a direction as we continue to move faithfully to where Jesus is calling us as a church. Mark is a fantastic writer. He writes what seems to be coming from an oral tradition and the paragraphs run together and it always feels as though you are going from place to place so fast that it makes your head spin. In this passage, we are given a window into a very important shift. A very important shift in Jesus' ministry, in the ministry of the disciples. Things that have been going on no longer are going on, and now things have to shift. Jesus, since the very beginning of the book of Mark, has been teaching. He's been doing miracles of healing, exorcism, resurrection. Jesus walks on water feeds a few thousand, and not the least of which, takes aim at the weather and calms the sea. At this point in the reading of Mark, there is an impressive list of the things that Jesus is capable of. It is almost as though we are watching through a play. Movement after movement, Accomplishment after accomplishment, amazing thing after amazing thing, miracle after miracle, healing after healing. Jesus is confident. Jesus is composed and direct. Jesus is forceful and gentle. Jesus is precise all at the same time. Jesus is confident yet amazed in our passage. It is the miracles and teachings of Jesus in Mark that allow the disciples and us to see Jesus' power and authority. In Mark 1, 28 and 28 through, or 21 through 28, Jesus' teaching exposes authority that leads to the casting out of a demon. One chapter in, 20 verses, we see this movement of God through Jesus. And, and it's the beginning of the signs and wonders within Mark that are oh so important to the writing of Mark and to the story that Mark tells. Without these signs and wonders, then, then this person of Jesus is just another teacher. He's just another one of the Pharisees out in the middle of the desert. 
The signs and wonders that Jesus performs indicate three particular attributes for Jesus as Messiah. Number one, Jesus is an authentic messenger of God. This is something that not only applies to Jesus, but to the other messengers of God. We look back at Moses. What happens with Moses? Moses performs miracles because God tells him to, and, and people know to follow Moses because of the miracles he's able to perform. Parting of the Red Sea, manna, water. We know in Daniel the same is true because of the miracle that happens around Daniel. Being able to vision dreams for a king. We are able to see the movement of God and we see it as well in Jesus. The authentic messengers of God, things happen around them. Ray, thank you for being an authentic messenger of God. Jesus, number two, brings an authentic message from God. The gospel isn't the gospel unless literal healing takes place. I want to say that again. The gospel isn't the gospel unless literal healing takes place. The movement of Jesus in this world through his blood and sacrifice was meant so that we would be more like God. And if we are not continually moving towards the healing that God is providing for us, then we are missing the gospel at its core. We can teach that God is good, but if goodness doesn't follow, then our teaching is bankrupt. We can teach that God is a reconciler, but if we cannot be reconciled, then our teaching is bankrupt. The miraculous activity of the kingdom authenticates the miraculous message of the kingdom. Number three, Jesus, because of the miracles, brings a sample of the coming kingdom. All of the healings and the resurrection and the exorcisms, the feeding and the water, and the access to people, these are explicit and communal examples of the coming kingdom. The signs and wonders of Jesus seem to circumvent the laws of nature, but I think it's more true to say that they are the work of God restoring the created order. That is, brokenness to wholeness, pain to joy, Despair to hope, illness to health, divorce of relationship to intimacy. Tim Keller speaks of the signs and wonders this way, quote, Jesus' miracles in particular were never magic tricks designed only to impress and coerce. Instead, he used miraculous powers to heal the sick, feed the hungry, raise the dead. Why? We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. Restoration on display. Restoration 
in our midst. Restoration for you and I as we continue to engage the person of Jesus. Restoration so that we might be able to celebrate all cultures in one space. Restoration so that we might be able to see one another, not just to see who you are, but to see where God is leading you and walk alongside. Restoration for Jesus is moving in this way all except for this time. Up until this point, Jesus is batting a thousand. Up until this point in time, Jesus hasn't thrown an interception. Up until this point in time, no trips, no slips. Jesus has remembered all of his lines. Jesus is on point, hasn't missed a note. Jesus is perfect up until this point. And we get to Mark 6, and you're expecting more stories of Jesus' miracles. And then, nothing. He comes home. And nothing, more than nothing, more than nothing. The work of God restoring the created order, the brokenness that is supposed to be moving towards wholeness, the pain that's supposed to be moving to joy, the despair that's supposed to be moving to hope, the illness that is supposed to be moving to health, the divorce of relationship that is supposed to be moving towards intimacy, all of that. All of that is ignored, it's challenged, and it's halted because of people's lack of faith. The kingdom of God stopped in its tracks because people's lack of faith. The people that Jesus goes to serve are not impressed. Where did you get all of this wisdom Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't that the carpenter? We're not impressed with what you're saying you can do. We don't believe it. They brush him off. They ignore what he's been teaching. You know, as I was growing up and I was learning the stories of Jesus, these were moments where I was like, man, if I was there, I am sure that I would have been just completely and totally amazed all the time about what Jesus would say, hanging on every single word. We've ever played that game of like, who would you go back to see in history if you had a chance? And you know, oh yeah, absolutely, I would go back and see Jesus. And I wonder now in these, myth, in these stories, when, when I see the people that knew him, that walked with him, that, that, that sat with him, would I be counted among the ones who were following Jesus or would I have said, eh, Jesus, whatever. Remember, at this point in time, He's got 12 disciples and a few people around. The Jesus who can do anything, who was once confident and composed, direct and forceful, gentle and precise, is now ignored and considered offensive. A foretaste of things to come. 
Jesus is amazed. Jesus is blown away. And he could do no deed of power there. This is the first time that we see Jesus miss the ball. Miss a note. His inability to accomplish what he set out to do. It was the first setback in Jesus' ministry. Puts his authority into question. His stance as a messenger of God. The message of the kingdom of God. And ruins the communal experience of restoration on display. Anybody relate? They think back on the years in my own ministry of moments where I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do and I was sure of it and nothing. Embarrassed. Struggling. Why God? Anybody ever ask that question? It points out a reality that's hard to acknowledge. And it was hard to even write this line. Even when Jesus is with you, things may not go the way that Jesus wants them to. Even when Jesus is with you, things may not go the way that Jesus wants them to. Yet, when it happens, I want to invite us to look at Jesus. Because Jesus does not despair. Jesus does not despair. Jesus turns and looks for help. Jesus looks to the Father for help. Yes, Jesus is amazed at these people's unbelief, yet what we see in Jesus is one who enters the world and exercises authority and takes responsibility for the pain of those in the world and the pain that we cause each other. Jesus takes responsibility for that. Jesus operates with the knowledge that the kingdom will come regardless of its detractors. So Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, hey, you go do it. I can't do it right now. You go do it. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking, what you talking about, Jesus? We've been following you because you've been doing all the things. What do you mean that I need to now go and do these things that you were going to do? Why do I need to go do this? We are following you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You go do it. This is not how I would ever encourage or teach someone about the ways of the kingdom, right? After a after a gigantic failure, you step back and you go, oh, no, you go. 
You, I, want, I need you to step into this. So what do the disciples say? All right, Jesus, we'll try. And Jesus says, no, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. No, that's not Jesus. Sorry. But that is exactly how Jesus chooses to move. Verse seven, he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. It would be as if Jesus had said to us, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Oh, wait. Jesus did say that. To you, to me, See, you and I do not have a choice but to go where God calls us. To stand with the outcast, to the underserved, to those on the margin, because there is no margin in the kingdom of God. Jesus has created his church. Jesus has created this church to be a sign and wonder of his coming kingdom. Through the church, God is restoring their created order, brokenness to wholeness, pain to joy, despair to hope, illness to health, divorce of relationship to intimacy. Jesus is sending us to be the restoration of God on display. Yet it requires you and I to surrender our wants, our needs, our desires, so that we might see with the heart and the eyes of Jesus the Christ. We have to surrender our authority, our freedom, our hopes to what Jesus is doing in our midst so that we might follow what God's doing and where God's kingdom is coming. Peter had to do it. We find Peter after the resurrection having to surrender once again his whole entire life to Christ so that Jesus can build his church. Paul had to do it. Paul took a moment, a few moments, a few years to submit himself to another man so that, so that he might learn what Jesus is about after having persecuted so long. It was so hard for him to make that shift, but he knew he had to. I can remember the day for me out on a waterfront in college where God got a hold of my heart in a way that he hadn't ever before. 
And I said, whatever you want, God. We have to surrender our authority for God's authority, our freedom to serve God. You know, it's going to be difficult for us as we continue to challenge our own sense of freedom, our own will, our own autonomy, our own power, our own giftedness that we think is ours. (laughs) Because at every moment we have to give it over to Christ so that we might be used because we've been told to go. We don't get Steve Rogers in our midst working in the way that he does unless Ray submits. We don't speak the gospel into this world unless we submit to speaking the gospel in this world. We don't get to experience God healing others unless we allow ourselves to step into their brokenness and sickness. We don't get to experience that joy unless we step into their pain. So going to those who need the kingdom. And who who doesn't need the kingdom? Is going to require death to us. Death to my own stuff. A release of all the things that I want to hold on to. My pride, my victories. Brandon Manning puts it this way. He says, the road I've traveled is pockmarked by disastrous victories and magnificent defeats. Soul-diminishing successes and life-enhancing failures, seasons of fidelity and betrayal, periods of consolation and desolation, zeal and apathy are not unknown to me. And whether you walk into this space, this worship space, here in this building or wherever you're watching us from, in joy about what God's doing or reaching for the hope of what God wants to do. Whether you feel it, you see it, you understand it, God is moving. It is a part of Jesus's and our humanity. Jesus suffers a setback yet looks to the Father, and so should we. It's the mark of the disciple. In this passage, the disciples are empowered to do what Jesus has for them. In this moment, Jesus is empowering you to continue to do the thing that God's called you to. He's asking you to not forget. 
He's asking you to lean in just a little more. He's asking you to let go of some of the things that you think are important for the thing that is important. And as I invite the worship team up, it's a part of Jesus's and our humanity. In Mark 3, 14, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons, and he does the same for us. The difficulty, though, for us and for the disciples is that Jesus makes no promises about success. He just says, go. Go with the authority of Jesus for the sake of the kingdom to the hungry, to the thirsty, to the stranger, to the homeless, to the sick, to those in prison. Jesus' model for our discipleship is shown here in Mark as one of action. Jesus' foundation for our discipleship is God's authority in us. Our, Jesus' example says it's not always going to go as Jesus wanted it to go. And Jesus' gift to us says God's kingdom will not be defeated. Go to the hungry and to the thirsty and to the stranger and to the homeless and to the sick and to those in prison as Dallas Willard has said discipleship is not for the church. The church is for discipleship and discipleship is for the world. What we learn here as disciples must be exercised in the world, out there, beyond the walls, when you leave this place, not just in this place. So if it is defined to this campus or our homes or our small groups, we have failed to hear Jesus called to go into the world and put restoration on display. Go to the hungry and to the thirsty and to the stranger and to the homeless and to the sick and to those in prison. And Jesus' purposes for the disciples and for us will be accomplished according to Mark 3, according to Mark 6. And when he was with them, he sent them. Jesus is here now and he's sending you and I. Jesus makes it abundantly clear by sending the disciples in chapter 6 and throughout the rest of Mark with God's authority that he's doing something absolutely new. Lake Avenue Church I can only surmise that that's what God's doing in us as well. Amen and amen.
If you are in this place and you have walked in here holding something heavy, something light, something that's keeping you from accessing the kingdom, we have a group of people who are wonderful at praying with you. To my left, to your right, 
after service, come and have someone pray with you over those things. If you are new in this place or if you've been here for a long time and you are looking for ways to connect and become involved with the things that we have going, going on out these center doors and to the left, people with the blue and orange ribbon uh, and name tags will be there just to connect you to, to a class or to a small group, um, somewhere you can serve, moments you can step into the call that God has placed on your life as well. I'd invite you to go there. If you're online with us and you want either of those things, please go ahead and type in the comments. Uh, We've got people there waiting to respond to you and connect you to the spaces that you need to be connected to. Couple announcements, Um, a reminder about our bylaw conversation that is continuing. This has been going on for two years, um, a long conversation, and I think it's really, really important that as we start to bring these things to a close and we look ahead to the way Jesus wants to form this church for the future, we look at the way that our leadership is, 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 is organized um, so that we can clarify our structure, so that we can develop our leaders and give them the freedom to lead in the way that God has called them to. I want to invite you to a conversation at one o'clock this afternoon on Zoom. This isn't the only conversation. There are multiple ones coming. There's one on Wednesday. There's one next Sunday. You can find all of those conversations, lakeav.org bylaws. That will get you to the page that will give you all of that information. Two other things tonight, six o'clock. If you serve at Lake Avenue Church, we've created a worship experience for you, especially for those who serve in places like this one that don't just get to worship. So I would invite you to come to that, the practice. Uh, Tonight, you can find all of that information on the, the, the website. And then today is the first Sunday of the month. And the first Sunday of the month, every month, we take a benevolence offering. This is money that we use to help our community to the people that need in this community and, and the surround. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in one particular way, uh, in that way. So please, if you um, want to give to that um, online, there's a way to give to that. You'll see text numbers there, but also here there are plates uh, as you exit um, the room. Whew, that's a lot of announcements. Receive now this benediction, this good word. May the God of grace and mercy and justice cause you to know the kingdom in your midst so you might walk with kingdom power in the midst of others. Amen and amen. Go in peace.